The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to organizing your life. The title of this forever fab podcast episode is Organizing as a Tool for Survival, a Case Study on Environmental Wellness. This is my interview with Rebecca Love, founder of Organize for Love. One of the eight dimensions of wellness or the pillars of wellness and I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, but one of those eight dimensions which serve as a foundation to my practice of holistic plastic surgery is environmental wellness. As defined by one state government site, quote, environmental wellness is having good health by occupying pleasant, stimulating environments that support well-being. It promotes interaction with nature and also creates an enjoyable personal environment, both in and out of your workplace. Well, that's what this episode is all about today. I again quote, when our personal surroundings are well cared for, clean and organized, we experience a greater sense of comfort and less anxiety. Hmm, Imagine that. (laughs) Being environmentally well enhances your personal health and helps ensure the future health of our communities and the world. And that's a quote from wellness.uw.california. Rebecca Love is an environmental wellness warrior. I love that. Yes, me too. I I, I created that just for you, Rebecca. I'm going to take it. and You may have it. Thank you. (laughs) Run with it, organize with it, put it in this place, take it off the shelf, do whatever you need to do. (laughs) Rebecca Love is an environmental wellness warrior that bears repeating. She is the founder of Organize for Love, a wellness and lifestyle brand offering products and services that feel like therapy for your home. From Rebecca's perspective, organizing your home to declutter it is akin to freedom. Her holistic, and we have that in common, her holistic solutions are intended to create a sense of well-being. We also have that in common. Her work will elevate not only your space, but also your mood. And these days, we all need some mood elevation, naturally, non-chemically, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Rebecca believes that, and I quote her, the highest or the biggest culprit that keeps us distracted and disconnected from ourselves and our families is clutter, end quote. That's really deep. I'm going to repeat that because it, it, it bears some thought. Let's wrap our minds, our heads around this quote from Rebecca. The biggest culprit that keeps us distracted and disconnected from ourselves and our families is clutter. 
Through her services, she helps to recreate connection. Rebecca also believes that, quote, our past and present environment greatly influences our sense of self and overall well-being. Clutter is a combination of culture, history, and family affairs to be released and organized lovingly, end quote. Organized for Love aims to assist you with that release in the hopes of creating a new legacy of clarity and improved overall health. Rebecca intends to transform not only your physical space, but also your mental space. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss organization as a tool for survival, self-empowerment, and strength. Welcome, Rebecca. Congratulations on your success, and thank you for becoming a member of the beautiful Forever Fab community. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much. That introduction, I have never felt so validated and seen and loved. It was like just a warm hug. So thank you for that introduction. You are loved, you are seen, and now you're about to be heard. Yeah, <laughs> Let's do it. Shall we, shall we dive into the questions? Yes, please. I'm so excited. Very good. Rebecca, let's, let's start with the basics. What's your story? How did you get to where you are now? Tell, tell me about yourself. Yes. Um, so a lot of my work is a culmination of my life, really. Like my journey in organization started as a young girl, just trying to figure out what is home, what does it feel like to be safe in a space, mm. what does cleanliness look like and feel like, um, yeah, what is safety in space? And um, it started from being in a cluttered home, but also growing up on Staten Island, where I didn't necessarily feel, you know, at home on Staten Island. So a lot of these things, I started to question what is home because it seemed like it wasn't just inside of like my childhood home, but also like my neighborhood Mm. and then the state that I lived in and the country that I lived in and the people that I was around. So all of these ways that I tried to investigate home and really, I was really curious of how my parents thought of home. Um, because of you know their challenges with letting go things. And so yes. all of my questioning and curiosities, I started to answer them throughout my life. Um, and I started to formulate my own kind of like process of figuring that out. And that looked like, you know, organizing my own space, keeping it clean, creating structure in whatever way that I can, personalizing my space. And so I started to realize like, oh, wait, this actually is working. Like, I'm having these questions about home, whether I'm uncomfortable or, you know, I'm in a temporary space. I'm able to create some sort of comfort and answer these questions about home. And home started to look like structure for me. Home started to look like cleanliness. Home started to look like comfort in, you know, people and loved ones that made me feel seen um, and heard. And so at some point I decided, you know what, I think I want to, I would talk about doing professional organizing as a kid and interior decorating. And I don't think I really knew any professional organizers, but I knew that I liked to organize. And so when I started my business, when I started Organize for Love, um, I decided to reach out to some folks and test out if I could actually do this. And so I offered some of my services for free to about like 10 folks. And so that was kind of my way to test some of my theories, test some of my um, expertise and have that practice before I went live with my business. And I was like, oh, 
this works. This actually, I'm, I'm good at this. And um, I started to share some of my own, those questions that I had as a kid, the answers that I came up with when I started Organized for Love. I knew I wanted all of that to be a part of the business because I felt like that was missing. And so I very quickly grew a community of people that were like, yes, we agree. Yes, I've been thinking about this. Yes, this resonates. So that's a bit, that's kind of how I landed here with Organized for Love. That's, that sounds like quite the journey. And it also sounds as if one of that, while you were growing up, perhaps you had experiences that pretty much led you to have a lot of chaos outside of your life. And organizing was perhaps a way in your mind that you thought, okay, there's chaos out there, but there just doesn't have to be chaos in here. Yeah. So with all of the experience that led you to here now, let's turn that question around to you. How do you define home? Mm, I have to yes. answer because my brother asked me this the other day. He was like, what do you see as home? And I'm like, oh my gosh, home is really where the heart is. Seriously. Yes. I truly, truly feel that way. Um, home is safety. I think that is kind of, and where my heart is, where my heart wants to be is where mm-hmm. I'm safe. So that could be with people, um, my friends, you know, where I feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Those things make me feel safe. Um, faces can make me feel sta- safe. So my home, you know, um, but I can be in someone else's home. I can yes. be in at events that make me feel safe. So for me, home is safety. Yes. And, and, you know, where my heart needs to be is I need to be safe. There's enough, you know, there's enough discomfort to go around. <laughs> yes. There's enough things to go around. And so that is honestly, that that is the first basic, you know, Maslow, Maslow hierarchy of need of being safe. And so yes. that's, the, that's the foundation. Safety is home. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting that, that you, you mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about that hierarchy. And it's very interesting that in that hierarchy, one of the things that helps you to determine compatibility with somebody is if you have the same needs or if your needs are compatible, right? Because if you're, if you have a need for safety, for example, but the other person has a need for adventure and sometimes safety and adventure don't go together, you can see how perhaps, you know, the, the personality differences wouldn't, won't exactly mesh. And that isn't always the case, but it's interesting that you incorporate Maslow into your organization. Yeah. And, you know, safety looks differently because there's Mm. because, you know, there's the opposite. Like you may not be in actual like physical danger um, to not feel safe. Um, So I feel like it's it's important to kind of like distinguish like not necessarily. And both of those could be true, too. So you can feel in danger in your home. Yes. Um, And I think I'm more so talking about like the emotional safety, the security um, in space in terms of like the hierarchy. So, yeah. And why do you say that organization or organizing is actually a tool for survival? (sighs) So I, I have grown up pretty quickly. I'm only 31 and I feel like I've had so many different life experiences within that time span. And so organization did lend itself as a way for me to survive. Um, Once upon a time when I lived in a homeless shelter, one of the tools that I used to help me manage my different responsibilities as a full-time student um, 
was organization, organizing my schedule, um, helping myself cope through the stress by writing and journaling and really planning out my life three months, six months, um, keeping my um, my cabinet in my space organized. Like that actually really helped me to get myself through that time. And so when I talked about that, I realized like that's not necessarily unique to me, you know, using organization to kind of like keep yourself grounded and figuring out like, you know, I may not be able to control all of these other things, but this is what I can control. I can't control how I, you know, schedule my day. I can't control, you know, releasing and writing and working through my emotions. Um, so thinking about organization as a survival tool is just like, okay, I have a lot of control when I don't feel like um, I have control over some of my life circumstances. And so this is a really key point um, for a lot of people that may be in between homes or may feel like they're living in a home that doesn't feel comfortable. And so, mm. and so that's kind of what I mean when I say surviving, um, using organization to survive. What you said is not lost on me. You went from a homeless shelter and then some yeah. I'm sure drama around that time of your life to a successful entrepreneur. I honor you. I congratulate you. I'm impressed by you. I think that is amazing. And I'm just going to finish this question by modifying it a little, a little bit. And yes, you are using organization as a tool for survival, but in your case, it's clear that you are thriving and I'm very happy for you. Thank you so much. I really that. I received that. I want to add on to that. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I talk about my experiences is not only because they shaped, they shape what I know and, mm. you know, perceptions and my ideologies, and they're really important and I'm not ashamed of them, but I really believe that organization is a way to kind of elevate ourselves and our communities. And I know that there are, it's not unique. It is not special that I lived in a homeless shelter. Like it is not to boast. It is to say like, Hey, if you're experiencing anything close to this, like you can get out of it, but you also can use like this concept is not just a show. It is not just colors. Like it's not just mm -hmm. a, a cute concept. Like it is actually something that you can ground yourself in. And so that is the, one of the main reasons why I bring that up. Um, and, and I'm not trying to like release any any of the um, appreciation and acknowledgement you've given me, but I, I feel like it's important to note like, hey, this is so other people can feel seen and know mm -hmm. that um, you can use organization as a tool to ground yourself and work through your, uh, your circumstances. And that's honestly really <laughs> the reason to bring it up. Thank you for that. Thank you. Now let's talk about what you say is not unique. Um, I do think your process is unique, but let, let's just play devil's advocate. Many people are familiar with, you know, Marie, is it Marie Kondo, right? Mm -hmm. She's also known as Kanmari and yeah. she's a Japanese organizing consultant and she's written, I think four or five books on organizing. Um, how would you say that your method is different from hers? So I love the fact that she doesn't speak English fluently. Mm -hmm. 
And I love that she has an interpreter and I love that, excuse me, she talks about her process loudly and proudly. And honestly, there is really, it's just matter of factly, like this is, I've learned organizing and decluttering in my lifestyle from my culture. Mm. And so I don't think there are many or enough Black figures in the professional organizing space on a global scale. And I think that the way that we do home and I, and, and the, we all don't do home the same way, but I'm sure right. people that resonate with the way that I do home. So, um, and it's, it's, I think it's okay to say like, Hey, this is how I organize from a black lens. This is how I do things in my home. This is how my black experience has shaped the way that I look at home. This is how it's shaped the way that I, navigate my space and or not navigate it and so what's different is just it's like yeah we're organizing from a black experience from a black lens things that are culturally relevant to us even just me sharing my brand story and my personal story right that's very important and distinctive of how I came about learning to organize and so that's what's so different it's like I love I love to see the the Japanese culture and the minimalism, I, I love it. And I'm like, okay, let's let's do that for us as well. I do think that that's unique because I have not heard of many people who believe that your experiences help to shape your how you organize your home. I, I do think that's a unique perspective and I hope that you continue to bring that to the world. Thank you so much. I received that. Thank you. Now, why do you think that we as a people in general are so attached to our stuff? I mean, I think every once in a while, you know, once a month, I'm like, yeah, okay, let me go through my closet. Actually, it's more like once every quarter, actually, yeah. maybe once like every six months. But anyway, <laughs> I all go through my closet. And like, okay, I haven't worn this in a year or two. And you know what? I need to give this away to charity or I need to, you know, sell it on one of those resale sites and give that money away to charity, whatever the case may be. But going back to why we accumulate in the first place, why are we as people so attached to our stuff? This question is so loaded. Okay. So, right, it is. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll start with there's different levels of clutter. So we're all experiencing accumulating things and we're experiencing clutter on different levels where mm -hmm. there's the extreme, there's the middle, and then there's minimal. And so because of that, the way that it impacts us, it impacts us very differently. So that means the reason why we um, individually may accumulate it is very different. It, it can overlap, but it's, it's always going to be, it's going to be different because of how much clutter that we're experiencing in a different way. Um, so that's really important. Um, so I think one of the things, and, and honestly, I'll speak from two places. I'll speak from my own, the questions that I think are important, because that's a big question that we're still kind of answering. Yeah. So I'll say my, um, I watched my dad accumulate a lot of, he had a lot of beautiful clothes and he took mm. so good care of his things. He would, he, you know, he was, he was older. He, he washed his clothes by hand. He hung them up. Um, he just always was dressed to the nines. Yes. And so, and at the same time, when it came to things, bringing things into our home, we had a very hard time getting rid of things. It was always mm. about what if someone else needs it, uh. right? We can't get rid of this because someone else may need it, mm -hmm. but that those people never 
got it. Like there was never actually a system to circulate the things that we had or that we wanted to keep to give to others. And so for me, the questions that I started to ask was, well, we have all of these different items, but we're not giving them away, right? We're, the people that need it aren't getting it. So it can't be because you want to give it to someone, right? There's something else. And so those reasons vary. And so mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a bigger question, like why? why? And I think for him is he never had a lot. Mm -hmm. you know? So the thought of, giving something away and someone else not, and him almost missing the opportunity to be generous and giving enough service to someone that didn't have, that almost seems like a sin. Like why, if I have extra, why would I give, why would I give this thing away? Right. If the thing was not usable, not working, wasn't the point. But so these were the questions I started to ask myself as a kid and throughout my journey I've been able to kind of like have empathy and answer. And I think a lot of us can experience that. And so the second part to that is a lot of my clients really don't want their items to go into landfill. And they also, mm. like, I don't want, it feels like a waste to have this thing that I love and cherish and just to kind of give it to goodwill. No, I don't want to give it to goodwill. No, I don't want to throw it out. I want someone to, I want someone to be able to, appreciate this item like I have appreciated it but what ends up happening is there is no um the turnaround for that and you times that by many many items the things that you keep that you cherish are not necessarily reaching the people that need to to have it or can use it and they just kind of accumulate so I think it's um a lot of it is wanting to do good and wanting to serve and wanting to help because I think by nature where we want to serve each other. Um, we know what it's like to not have. And so we really want others to not have. And so, but I think what ends up happening, we experience clutter on a different scale because we're holding on to things and we really don't have a system to let things go. And I also think, and this is just my, I, I'm very philosophical in some of my- I love it, let, let me have it. Um, you know, if, if you truly wanted to, you know, give things away and you, you have something in your home for five plus years and you're not able to give it to that person right? or, you know, release the things from your home, then, you know, maybe there is something else going on. I mean, it could right. be time, could be a lack of time. Um, just so, so, so that's my long winded answer to that very big question. <laughs> You're right. It is a very big question and I know it's loaded, um, but it, you know, it helps me to bring up the point that why we keep things perhaps for too long has a lot to do with a lot. And sometimes the process of organizing and decluttering involves actually digging deep inside psychologically, emotionally to help us determine why it is that we care to hold on to something when perhaps it no longer serves us. You summed up the reason why I started Organized for Love. Like I need to take what you just said. <laughs> you may have it. <laughs> and you know, I was looking at, I was, you know, I, you, you kind of look at your business. I don't know how often you experience this. You, you're reworking your mission, you're reworking yes. your statement. And it just feels like it's a never ending journey and, Rather than resisting that, it's like this is actually good for me to continue to revise why I'm serving people and how I'm um, expressing how I'm serving them. 
And so one thing that I have been realizing is I think the avoidance of decluttering mm-hmm. um, it's just that, like, why why do we avoid things? You know, you yeah. said going deeper to do that deeper work. Like, we typically know that if we do something, it's going to force us to be able to have to face something else. So we just, you know, by virtue say, you know, I'm not going to actually do that thing. So that thing could just stay there. And I think this is, again, very, I'm, this is all theory. And this is theory from, you know, me working with clients and- yes answering these big questions but i think that we we want to do real again we're community oriented people and so because of the work that we want to do in our community i think sometimes it feels big too big sometimes it feels scary and so it's easy for us to avoid our homes and just help others when in fact if we started organizing our homes figuratively, literally, if we really focus on getting our home together, we would actually be better. We would be of higher service. We would be able to reach higher potentials because we're not carrying this emotional or physical baggage. And we'll be able to tap into our why, get more clarity and really do the real work that we all, we all, almost every creative business owner friend that I have Everything that they do, no matter graphic design, whatever it is, they it's all to serve their community. And I, I truly feel like the avoidance of addressing clutter is because then you'll really have to face this big passion and um this big um this big why that you you know you want to do in terms of being of service to your community. But that's that's these are my theories, you know. <laughs> and, well, you know what? I think you're right on point. And um, yeah, this is from asking these big questions, finding answers, being in community, you know, my, the Organized for Love Instagram, it has been such a mirror to me. And and I, I, I want to kind of not backpedal. I don't think that my, un, my framework isn't unique. I think me, some of my experiences are, it's like I, I meet so many folks where there's like, yeah, I've actually lived in a lot of different places. I've lived in so many different homes. So I think that piece, when I share it and some of the things that have come up because of those experiences, people are like, oh, yeah, me too. And I'm like, how have we all experienced something something so chaotic, so many of us? So, mm. yeah. that Own it. Own it, Rebecca. You are unique. Thank you. Thank you. And your experiences are unique to you. So there might be aspects that other people can relate to, um, but certainly your experiences are unique. I really appreciate that you said, you know, start asking yourself these questions, including why. I think there was a book, and I'm showing my ignorance by not knowing who wrote that book, but I think the book was Start With a Why. And Mm -hmm. it related to, you know, business and your purpose and why you want to have this product or have this business. And yes, you can ask yourself that question also regarding your business because you're a business owner. But I think to your point about asking yourself certain questions about why you want to change in space is start with the why. Why did you allow this stuff to accumulate anyway? Why do you have 10 of these and 20 of those? And why do you still have, you know, that from 20 years ago or whatever? And also to your point, I very much agree with the idea that evolution and transformation, you know, to get better require those things require change. And sometimes change is hard. It's 
painful um, and it's scary, right? All those things, all those words that you use, but you have to do the work. And yeah. if doing the work for you, if it's too, you know, far-fetched or too out there or woot-woot for you to speak with someone <laughs> or to, you know, get therapy or to keep a journal or to start a gratitude practice, if those right. things don't resonate with you, guess what? You can start to do the work by organizing your space and decluttering. Would you agree? That is, honestly, most professional organizers, I agree a thousand percent. We would say, you know, start with the basics is decluttering. You know, it's free and it's really the most important part. And it's typically, it's the hardest part. And mm. so definitely decluttering. And I think that releasing, the unpacking, the working through the things that aren't serving your space, it it's really hard sometimes, you know. And I would say for me, sometimes, you know, clutter is, they say, it's just things that you haven't made a decision on. Mm. And so you just may have something in the back of your closet that you just haven't decided. Like, you know what, actually, this actually no longer fits me anymore. It physically doesn't fit my body, but it doesn't fit me where I am or where I'm going. So it could go. And so that could be challenging. Times that by a billion items. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> Starting with my wardrobe. Well, you know, I used to be the size. Oh, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. One of these years. Not so much. That's a whole. It's a whole other situation. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> a whole other podcast. And you know, as New Yorkers, it's so like you want to be fly. Like you want to. You know, we have to. Like the fall is just. It's the season. Layering. So it's like adapting to your environment but also like being realistic about mm. your space and like all right but does your space support your well-being right the commerce industry's got us hooked retail's got us hooked retail therapy yeah it's also like retail anti-therapy it's like change of seasons new wardrobe needed i know. You know here's the new color for you know the season gotta get electric blue or cerulean blue or mustard mm -hmm. yellow gotta buy those things i, I listen i'm so guilty yeah i was like so i was like guilty. mustard yellow has me in a chokehold i <laughs> <laughs> i love that color also You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my illustrious host, Rebecca Love. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.